The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented by our outstanding patrons. They went to patreon.com slash RT Media and they said, we want to support the show. We want to support the network. And oh, by the way, wouldn't mind getting a signed picture from Ross, ask him a question on the show, and being able to chat in our private Tuckheads Slack channel, which has just been amazing the last couple months. I mean, that thing has totally taken off to the point where I can barely keep track of all the different conversations going on about food and daddy sodas and current events and the different shows and betting and... It's awesome. Shout out today goes to Stephen Kobielecki. I'm going to go Kobielecki, Brian. What do you think? Either Kobielecki or Kobielecki. Kobielecki, Kobielecki, Kobielecki. Kobielecki. I, no, I changed my mind. Kobielecki. I'm going. His name is Stephen Kobielecki. Is going to be my guest, Stephen. Hopefully, that is correct. He is today's new patron. Shout out. Very excited, by the way. About today's interview, I think I told you guys either before or after the Mike Malarkey interview that, you know, we had some family vacations planned for the off season. So I try to interview some guys that are what they call evergreen interviews that you can use whenever they're not dated or timely or whatever um, for vacations. But then it turned out I didn't really go on any vacations so today's interview is another one of those, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. His name is Jason Bell, and I know everybody, all of our listeners in the UK are already very familiar with him, but really a lot of interesting topics. You know, he was a big track guy that then became a football guy. He made it in the NFL as a gunner, which is like the craziest thing you can try to make it in the NFL as. It's insane. Then he had lots and lots of injuries. Um, you know, some guys just their bodies can't hold up and they're not meant for it. And now he's one of the primary NFL voices in the UK. So without further ado, it's Big Show time. The Big Show. 
So really been looking forward to our next guest for a long time. I follow what he's doing over in the UK with the BBC and OCU Minora. He's got that awesome podcast, the Jason and OC podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Bell 33. Really unique guy in a lot of different ways. Doing some research on you, Jason, between the injuries, the track background, special teams gunner, private wealth management, UK and the BBC. I mean, there's a lot to get to there. I guess I'll start with this. Like, where do you live and how did you get hooked up with the BBC? Oh, man, coming from you, Ross, that's 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 big stuff, because like I said before, man, I am a big fan. I love your show and the UK listeners love your show. But uh, yeah, so I live in London. I was back and forth between London and New York City, but now I'm in uh, London full time now. And I got out here like everybody else when they're somewhere they shouldn't be. And it's following a girl. So that's kind of how that worked out. My daughter's mother, uh, she's from Ireland, but she worked in London. So uh, when we had her, we were thinking of where we were going to locate ourselves at. And when she started going to school, ended up in London and being out here, the NFL UK found out I was here. Somebody actually saw me at a pet store with my daughter and brought me in the office. And they said they were starting a television show and my buddy OC was doing it. I hadn't even known OC was retiring at that moment. He had just retired. So I said, if OC's doing it, I'm doing it. And that's how I found my way on the television uh, with the BBC. Wow, man. That's incredible. So uh, things in life just work out sometimes. I mean, what it, it, are you doing that full time or are you still doing other stuff? I'm still doing private wealth. Uh, I do that. I travel back and forth to the U.S. Usually in the off season, I'll go down and I have a partner that I work with closely and we'll go see all of our clients together. But as the years have progressed, it's been more uh, the NFL stuff in the UK. I'm really enjoying it. So it's increased uh, every year. Well, so, you know, I've been over there a couple times um, at Wembley four games, calling them. Number one, uh, it's always uh, never ceases to amaze me, always impresses me how many fans we have over there. I'm not even talking about the NFL yet. I'm talking about just listeners of this show. I think it goes back to my time with the four-letter network. But, I mean, I go over to one of the U.K. games, and I do like a, a happy hour either before the game or after the game, and there's like 20, 30 people show up and have beers with me. And, they, it, like, like the last – I was there in 2018. And, I mean, there was a guy for, and, and, and uh, that was there. He's from Russia. His wife's from Poland. They came to the game. I'm having beers with them. She learned English from my podcast, a, a, a Polish woman, beautiful, by the way, and she learned English, and she was telling me how she hated my podcast because she hated English, and it was so hard for her, and so she hated the show, but he's like, this is how you're going to learn English, and somehow she learned it. It's just like the whole thing, I feel like, both ways is really, uh, really crazy. That, that is an amazing story. And yes, you got a lot of love out here. And it's because the way you break down the game, uh, this audience really wants to consume everything they can NFL. 
and people like you that can describe what's happening and that have great guests all the time, not me, other guests, but it's, it's because of that they really listen to you. And I tell you what, man, I've heard a lot of stories, but teaching somebody English, man, on a podcast, that, that, goes, down, that goes down in history, man. You got that one. So you've got a bunch of interesting things. I guess I'm going to stay on the UK stuff for a little bit. So what have you just seen since you've been there in terms of the growth of the, the popularity of the, of the NFL in the UK? You know, this is a thing me and OC talk about a lot. And I, I think of it like grassroots and I travel a lot of tra- mass transportation, bus, the tube. I'm, I'm on that all the day, walking around. So I've, when I do that, I remember when we first started the show and a couple of people would say, hey, you know, NFL, that guy, you know, point, uh, laugh or whatever, keep it moving. But as, as, as these years have progressed, I mean, more people stop me on the street. More people want to have these conversations about the NFL. And I can just see it from that aspect and that standpoint. Of course, all the viewing figures of our show and everything have grown. But when I see what when I when I'm out there with the people and I can see how they engage with me, I understand the growth of the game. And then, like you said, you've been out here when the games are here. I mean, we completely take over a month in the UK and it is unbelievable. It's like nothing I've ever seen as a player. I try to tell people this all the time. You never see this many jerseys represented in one game, all different teams. The crowd is just crazy. They just wanna be there and consume the game. And for players, you know, this is like nothing they've ever seen. So coming over and being involved with these games now is such an important part of the NFL because these players love it. So each year it's just growing so much. And the NFL has done a really good job trying to educate the fan base out here and exposing them to everything they can. Yeah, it's so cool. So here's, here's the question. Um, what are they doing to have it grow even more? And is it growing in other ways, like, is there more youth football? Is there more high school football, more club football? And do you think that that's important? Yes. Well, they started a thing called the NFL Academy, and it was the first year. So it's equivalent to high school. And that has got a lot of traction. You had kids all throughout the UK and Europe come try out, lasted two days. So then they have a team that's starting to develop. And I think they're two years away from or a year now away from actually playing. And then the flag leagues out here are everywhere. We had a flag league actually go down uh, uh, to the Pro Bowl and play and participate. So that's big. So they are engaging with the youth from that aspect. And also, I would say it's because of social media, all these kids know about all these players in the NFL. They follow them. They like them as personalities which keeps them watching the games. So the players in the NFL are doing their part because they're interesting. And now these players are exposing them, like I said, via social media. Got it. Okay, very cool. Do you think, like, um, where can it go? Like, how, how, how big can it get over there in your mind? I mean, they... All I hear is they want a team. Everybody I talk to, when's the team coming? When's the team coming? And I don't have the answer to that. But, you know, I think it can continue to grow and have as many games as possible here. The appetite is here. They want the NFL. 
Uh, they have their sport. They have their football. But the NFL is something so different. They love everything about it. And like I said, they really love the personalities. So I think they should just continue to get more games out here. Uh, I, with the new CBA and the extra game, I just think they should have as much games here as they possibly can. And then eventually push for something like a, a Super Bowl. I know it's a long ways away from that, but either a game we, we, we want a team here or we want a Super Bowl here. Got it. So I want to go into your background a little bit because, as I mentioned, I, I was looking you up and I thought it was really interesting. Um, first, your track background. I mean, dude, you could roll. I mean, you're 100 time, you're 200 time. That is legit. How much do you think that that helped you as a football player? I think it helped me a lot. And what I really think it did is because of uh, the track coach I had, it taught me how to use my different speeds where I think there's a lot of fast guys that can only be fast and they can't be quick and they don't know how to change gears. And it's kind of like a car. You got to know how to change gears. And that's what helped me on special teams a lot. I knew when to be in different phases of running. And I think you have to understand that to try to use your speed on a football field. you got to be able to handle it. That's interesting. I never heard it described that way. I would think it's just, hey, I know how to get off to a fast start or I knew how to run with good technique. I never heard before, you know, transition speed or different uh, knowing when to throttle down or speed up. That's really interesting. Yeah, well, think about special teams. That's what it's all about. I mean, and we talk about being a gunner. First of all, I got to, you know, I got to be quick off the ball. Uh, I have to be shifty. I have to know how to do that. And once I stack a guy or get him in the position I want to have him in, now I got to be a sprinter. I got to separate. But then I got to uh, I got to calm down, switch gears and and be able to make a quick athletic move to make a tackle. You just can't be fast because, you know, these quick guys will run right by you and make you miss. So it's understanding that and understanding how your body works because we all run different. So I think the guys that do well on special teams understand those mechanics and how their body works. So do you think that that helped you have the success that you had as a gunner? Not only being fast, but knowing how to speed up, slow down, etc., for people that don't know, the gunner are, is the guy that's split out wide when a team punts, and a lot of times they're getting double teamed. And it is, I mean, it's the closest thing in the sport of football to uh, getting jumped. It really is. Like, you, you, you are walking down the street, you just went to a store or coming out of a bar, and two guys jump you. And they're trying to put you down on the ground and take your wallet. I mean, that's really what it is, Jay. That's exactly what it is, man. And you know what? I'm stealing that because I like that. That's a great analogy. And absolutely right. I think, I mean, first of all, being a defensive back, I knew what receivers did well and made me uncomfortable. So I just stole those moves. I said, this is what good receivers do to put pressure on a defensive back. So I used those moves against the DBs. And when you're in a double team, it, you know, it's just a physical hand fight. You got to have will and toughness. But once again, it's all about using your quickness. And I understood leverage and how to attack one guy and put him in a, a, a real uncomfortable situation. And that really helped me. But it was a dog fight. I mean, you had to be special teams. You, you, you got to have a different way about you. And there's a reason why great teams have great special teams, players and units. 
It's because, you know, offense and defensive guys getting together. We got one play. It's a dog fight. And there's a lot of yards exchanged within that play. Uh, so you got to you got to you got to really take it serious and and put yourself put it on the line. I mean, back when we played, there was a four man wedge and I had to run down there and bust the wedge. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, you know, that ended my career. I, I was on a four man wedge for the uh, for the Washington Redskins against the Baltimore Ravens in a preseason game. And I, I nailed this dude. He got a concussion. Prescott Burgess, a linebacker from Michigan, he got a concussion, and he separated his shoulder. And I stood up and was like, yeah, and I had the worst stinger I ever had. It turns out that I had uh, herniated a disc in my neck and bruised my spinal cord. And this is pretty crazy, but they um, that was right before halftime. And at halftime, I was going to play the whole second half at center. Lightning, wow. thunder, lightning, thunder. They canceled the game. So I was going to play the second half with a bruised spinal cord and uh, herniated disc in my neck because of the four-man wedge. And thankfully, you know, Mother Nature came in. I think it was like the only game I was ever part of that that happened. Pretty, pretty crazy. Um, speaking of injuries, Jason, man, looking at your list, you had more than your fair share. And I guess the question is, do you think it's just, um, you think it's luck? You think it's genetics? Like, what do you think it is? You know, there's a lot of luck, right? I mean, you see guys that get soft tissue injuries and I mean, they're, they're, they're trying hard. It's their body. It's the body type. I do think a little bit is my reckless play. I, I really just played with no fear. There was not a lot of uh, caution in my game and the way I approached it. I threw my body around and I paid for it, but that's the way I play football. That's the way I've always played. And so I think that really put me in a lot of harmful situations as far as my injuries, because I was not scared of contact and I was going full speed ahead. So I already know that people should follow you on Twitter at Jason Bell 33. You've got, the Jason and OC podcast. People can check you out on Instagram as well at Jason Bell 33. What else should people know about you? What else should people be watching you or checking you out on? I mean, that's enough, you know, uh, check all that stuff out. And if they ever come to the UK, check out a game, check out our show. And uh, that, that's pretty much it. Keep listening to you because you got all the intel. So that's all I ask for every, from everyone. Make sure, especially if you're in the UK, but really anywhere, check out the Jason and OC podcast. It is excellent. What an awesome story all the way around. Uh, really a unique, unique guy, unique perspective. Really appreciate you coming on the Ross Tucker football podcast, Jason. Man, thank you. Anytime and see you next time you're in the UK. Yeah, I can't wait. Only six days away, by the way, from Father's Day. I feel like, Brian, do you ever feel like, I'm not complaining, I'm just saying, do you ever feel like Father's Day sort of gets the the short, short straw as opposed to Mother's Day? I mean, Mother's Day is like an event. Mother's Day is a big deal. Father's Day, it's like, oh yeah, hey dad, happy Father's Day, it's Father's Day. I kind of do fair? feel that, yes. 
There's no question about it. Like, what's the deal with that? I feel like this is Seinfeld. What's the deal with Father's Day not being as important as Mother's Day? Uh, There's no question about it. At any rate, all I can tell you is that if you get your dad a story from myfrontpagestory.com, just being able to say, hey, Dad, I want to do something different and cool this year, so I had a story written about you, as you hand it to him or send it to him, is amazing. Then to actually see your dad get choked up, which doesn't happen very often, amazing. Myfrontpagestory.com. It is not too late. Most of you have not gotten anything for your dad, even if you think your dad's not sentimental or an emotional sap. He is. Get it for him. He'll love it. Myfrontpagestory.com. Ducks takes. All right, Russ, we'll start today with some interesting comments from Ravens head coach John Harbaugh saying that it is humanly impossible to adhere to all the NFL's initial COVID-19 protocols. So this is really interesting on a lot of different levels. Number one, it's that these initial protocols they put out there have not been agreed to by the NFLPA at this point. So there's a chance that the protocols become even more strict, really. I mean, so they haven't even been agreed to yet. These are just initially what the NFL is trying to do. And stuff like, you know, keep everybody six feet apart in the locker room, it's just not possible. I mean, when they build a locker room, that can house 95 guys. They got to have at least 90 and they want to have an extra couple. They don't build that with like, hey, you know what? Let's make sure there's an extra six feet available in between just in case we ever have a global pandemic. So I understand what John Harbaugh is saying. What I think is it. So, so there's a couple things here, Bryce. So number one. They're trying to be safe. They're trying to do all the right things, which is exactly what they should do. I do think that there will be – there's several issues. One is the push and the pull, the yin and the yang of wanting to be safe versus wanting to be, quote, unquote, realistic and getting stuff done. Then you'll have who's actually enforcing this stuff. And, well, we're not doing that because so-and-so team I heard isn't doing that. And I don't want them to get the edge on us. So they're going to have someone that's in charge of enforcement. Are these teams going to hire someone internally? And then who do they answer to? And then what about like liability? Right? I mean, I saw where Ohio State has their players signing liability waivers. So it's like, oh, okay. So where's the liability if they have all these protocols in place? A team doesn't follow them. A guy gets sick and has a really bad outcome. There's just, there's a lot there. And I guess I'd be curious. I know we have a bunch of Australian listeners. I I wonder what they're doing in Australia, New Zealand, etc. The one thing I do know is that those countries have done a much better job in the United States in terms of containing the pandemic. 
uh, and COVID-19. So kudos to them for doing what they did. So I saw New Zealand actually has crowds. They haven't had a new coronavirus case in like three weeks. It's unbelievable. There's also been a lot of news about protesting during the national anthem with Texans coach Bill O'Brien saying that he will kneel with his players. Well, players like J.J. Watt and Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield also commented on social media. So what's happening, I guess, is that there are some fans that are tagging J.J. Watt or Baker Mayfield in posts and saying, hey, Baker, please tell this guy you're not going to kneel during the anthem. Or I can pretty much guarantee J.J. Watt would never disrespect the flag by kneeling for the anthem. And J.J. Watt tweeted, it's not about that. It's not about the military or disrespecting the flag. It never has been. Baker Mayfield said, you know, get your head out of your butt. I am going to be kneeling with my teammates, etc. And Bill O'Brien said he's going to kneel with his players, the Texans head coach. So this is just a personal opinion. Take it for whatever it's worth, right? I can't imagine there's anyone listening to this podcast that is in favor of racism or in favor of social injustice, right? Like everybody is supportive of those two causes. What I think, if I were in charge, which I'm not, I I don't think the national anthem protest is the most effective way to go about it because I just don't think you're going to convert that many people that are offended by it. And why the causes are things that I'd like to think, the root causes at least, um, are things I'd like to think everybody agrees on. Racism is bad. Social injustice is bad. I wouldn't recommend taking a knee because what happens during the anthem is because that, that clouds the messaging. That clouds the actual cause and what's important. Because then you'll get a, a certain percentage of people that'll just, it'll turn them off from watching, which isn't good for the players that are compensated by the NFL. It'll turn them off from the message that the players are trying to get across. It just doesn't seem like the most effective way. I don't know if, I don't know if the answer is to do it, you know, right before the first play of the game, you know, or, right before the anthem. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I guess I personally don't think continuing to protest during the national anthem is the most effective way to get the message across that is a very, very important message that I think everybody I know at least agrees with and is on board with. So anyway, that's just my two cents. But it seems like this is going to continue to be a thing every week where someone else says they will kneel or they won't or whatever. And I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. I don't feel like that helps the cause, but maybe I'm wrong. It's just, like I said, just something I was thinking about. I mean, at this point, I'd like to think that everybody knows that that's not why they are protesting. 
that they're not protesting the flag or the military. I think everybody knows that. If they don't, I don't know where they've been. But it just seems like there's a, a decent amount of people that even if they know that that's not why they're doing it, they're still offended by it. And I guess I just wonder if there are more effective ways to get the message across and get get everyone behind it. Lastly, Ross, a report came out that Patriots running back Sony Michelle had foot surgery this offseason. Right, and I also saw something from our buddy Dr. Chow about his knee uh, being in worse shape than Todd Gurley's knee. Uh, I mean, doesn't sound real good for Sony Michelle. I mean, it, it just... He's a guy, because I did the U.S. Army Bowl that he was in it, he had like almost 2,000 yards rushing as an eighth grader. I guess in Florida, you're allowed to play high school football in eighth grade. And like as a varsity football player in eighth grade, he had like a great season. So I just think he's had a lot of miles. And you combine the knee issue with the foot issue. Frankly, it makes it even more curious that the Patriots drafted him in the first round like they did. Uh, given, you know, he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. I think he's a good player. But he also has uh, a bunch of health issues. Pretty pretty interesting. What's also interesting, Bri, we are getting a lot of people that are trying to compete with Joe and I in our next best ball draft. Remind me, Bri, we should go over maybe this week. Joe and I can go over our best ball teams. So you can just hear what a championship team like mine looks like, sounds like. One of the Tuckheads, uh, I think Mike Shirk, said, what is best ball? Is that gambling? No, it's not. It's just fantasy football, but all you do is the draft part of it. And then during the season, if you have three quarterbacks, whichever quarterback had the best game and the most points, that ends up being automatically inserted in your starting lineup. It's pretty awesome. And if you guys go to fantasypoints.com, and use the code FEAST with all capitals. Again, fantasypoints.com, code FEAST, all capitals. Forward that to me after you do and just say, I want to take you down, big boy. I want you and Joe. I want to show you what I can do. I want to compete in the next best ball draft against you guys. And we shall do that, my friends. We also shall break down the AFC East. Today, very much looking forward to breaking down all of the draft picks with Matt Waldman from the AFC East. Do the Bills, did they do enough to finally win the division? Did the Patriots do enough in the draft such that they can stay atop the division? What about the Dolphins with all those picks they had? Matt Waldman and I will go over that on today's College Draft Podcast. Other than that, shout-outs. For my boys at Pizza Boy Brewing, for DynastyFreaks.com. If you like Dynasty Fantasy Football, check out DynastyFreaks.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.